Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. We are back. Back for another episode of Believe in Titans podcast devoted exclusively to the all things Tennessee Titans as they uh, continue to gear up here for the 2022 NFL season. And by we tonight, I mean former Titans cornerback Denard Walker. Denard, how are you? David, I'm doing awesome. How are you doing this evening? I am doing great. I am David Beauclair of all Titans at SI.com. Our third member, John Glennon, is uh, is away tending to some family business this week. So, uh it, it's just Denard and I, and I think uh, I think we're up to the job. How about you? I hope so. <laughs> we are uh, we are just about through the. In fact, I guess if you're a player, you're through the dog days of training camp now because uh, uh, we're we're recording this Tuesday night. It's roughly 48 hours before the uh, the preseason opener. The, there's a there's a light at the end of the tunnel. It's just not the the repetition of practice. How hard. Uh, is that second week of practice uh, in, in training camp, you know, where, where they, you're, you're not, there's not really a game. You, you've got a full week behind you. Is that, is that a real grind for players? Yes, because it's still a training camp. <laughs> <laughs> Although it's not the training camp you had back in the day. Oh man, those were, those were <laughs> killers because you went four weeks and it, it depended on the coach, but again, it's still hard. It's, it's hump week, but you don't want to think of it like that. You want to make sure that when you go out there on that field, you're, you're working towards the first game of the season because it's how you look at it is how you get through it. The uh, it, it has been, I guess we would call it, an uneventful camp so far there there's not been any major injuries to speak of there's uh the work is the work has been solid there hasn't been the drama with uh with Traylon Burks as we've talked about but there there is I think some developing drama in the uh or on the offensive line uh we've talked a lot about the battles 
position battles at left guard and, and right tackle where replacements are needed. Left guard, it seems like, is done. I, I you know, Aaron Brewer, barring an injury, I, I'm I'm pretty confident we can all agree will be the starter in Week One. But as camp has gone on, coaches are coaches are are looking more and more. There, I guess the workload is being divided evenly at right tackle between Dylan Radens and Nicholas Petit Frere, which suggests to me that uh, that Radens hasn't taken hold of that thing. The, the first week he was getting he was getting virtually all the reps with the first team, and and uh, you, you start to wonder a, a guy from uh, from a, an FCS school who didn't play uh, hardly any football his senior year, didn't play much last year. You've got Petit Frere out of Ohio State who is uh, you know faced top notch competition throughout his college career Denard, you know you you played at, at LSU in the SEC against top notch competition how how big an advantage is that for Nicholas Petit Frere coming from the Big 10 versus uh, versus Dylan Radens's college experience do you think I don't think it's a disadvantage David uh football is football both of these players have something in common they both were all Americans in college respectively if you look at Nicholas Petit Frere, he was a 2021 second team All-American at Ohio State. But guess what position he was named All-American at? At left, left tackle. Left, left tackle. Yes. You go back to 20, you go back again. We'll look at Dylan Redentz. Look at I love Dylan. I love the way that he played last year, especially that 49ers game. But again, he was a consensus All-American at what position? Left tackle. So once again, when you have to move to another side of the ball, potentially when you talk about going from left to right, it's tough, you know, because now you're talking about things like your hand placement. You're talking about your footwork. Everything changes. I know what that's like. It it happened to me uh, transitioning from Tennessee and going to Denver. I was on the left side for four years, and now I had to move to the right side of the line, and it was tough. Now you got to start with your footwork. So again, offensive line, Keith Carter has his job. It's going to be a tough job trying to figure out who's going to fill in that position, departed by Dan Quisenberry. But again, I don't think that this is an advantage for Nicholas because he played at Ohio State. It's just getting used to the footwork. It's getting used to the hand placement, especially when you go from one side to the other. And, and I will say this, um, when Radens is in there, even even if he's not with the first team, he's still playing right tackle. With uh, with Petit Frere, they're kind of doing like they did with Radens last year. Sometimes you'll see him at left tackle. Sometimes you'll even see him at left guard. They are they are moving him around to try and get him a a, a taste of everything. So I I, I think the coaches are are very confident that uh, that that you know right tackle is sort of Raiden's a spot right now and uh and they they still want to see you know get a better picture I guess of all the things Petit Frere could potentially do because I assume he'll be active on game days most game days and you know you only have so many at linemen you can you can keep up and if if two guys get hurt at one spot then all of a sudden you might have to ask somebody to to play the uh, the position that's that's not their primary one so he's uh uh, he he's getting a he's getting a little baptism by fire there. 
Uh, I, I assume we'll see both of them play extensively in the preseason, and that'll uh, that'll be telling for uh, for the coaches as as they continue to evaluate this thing. How much pressure do players feel if if they're fighting for a spot in these games? Uh, you know, coaches will say it, players will say it. Practices mean a lot every day. You know, it, it's it's about being good every day. It's about being consistent. But I, it it seems like there's got to be a sense that the games mean a little bit more, don't they? Or do they not, you think? Well, look at it like this, David. I mean, there's there's nothing guaranteed in the National Football League. That's just the way it works. Pressure's on everybody. It pressures at every position. When we talked about Ryan this whole offseason and talking about getting the bad taste out of his mouth, that's not gonna happen until week one against the Giants. And you know, and it's the same thing with these players. The, the way you got to look at it like this is that there's only what 53 jobs that are available. Correct. And so how many guys do you have in camp right now? What is there's probably 70, 80, 90, 90 guys, 90 guys, 90 guys, 90 almost twice players. as many. Hey, <laughs> hey, let me, Hey, that's nothing compared to when I was in Denver, there was over a hundred and about 115 players. I think that's uh, what it was. Yeah, then. Uh-huh. That's right. <laughs> so it's kind of like, well, there's only 53 that's going to make it. But you know, when I look at this position, David, especially the right tackle. And I, and I was thinking about this when you sent me that email, this is not just about 2022. This is about your future because you look at it like this. There's a player that's been in Nashville for nine years. He's been in that position at left tackle. He's owned it. And that's Mr. Taylor, the one, right? Correct. So you go out there in 2021, you end up draft drafting Nicholas Petit Freire in the third round. We talked about his versatility uh, what he can bring, you know, to this offensive line. He played both positions at Ohio State, right tackle and left tackle. When Dylan came out in 2021, what did you what did you like about Dylan Redentz? Is the fact that he was very versatile. He was mainly left tackle. But what you loved about him was his athleticism, what he can bring to the table. If you go back to a game last year, where there was no Taylor Lewan, there was a young man by the name of Dylan Raitens who stepped in at left tackle. He went against arguably the best defensive end in the league in Nick Bosa, and Nick Bosa did not have one sack. So that should give you a lot of, lot of optimism that I think Dylan Raitens right now, because he's familiar with the system, he might be your left. He might be a great addition at that right tackle. It's just it's going to take some time to get used to the footwork and get used to the hand placement. And that's what they're fighting through right now in training camp. Yeah. And, and to your point, you know, both these guys are high draft picks and, and Taylor Lewan, and, and he talked about this the, just this week in training camp, as a matter of fact, that, you know, he's been there a long time. He followed a guy in Michael Roos, who was there a long time, who followed a guy in Brad Hopkins, who had been there a long mm-hmm. time. All those guys made at least one Pro Bowl. And, and, and Lawan talked about, you know, what it meant to be sort of part of that lineage. And, and he didn't he didn't take it lightly and, and that responsibility. But he's not going to play forever. And And to your point about about switching sides and, and, you know, where you can or will feel most comfortable if you, if you're both of these guys, the guy who doesn't win the right tackle job this year, the consolation prize is potentially he's the starting left tackle (laughs) in a year or two. If he's just that much more comfortable on the left side, right? That's it. And versatility. That's what you have to be in today's game. The more versatile you are, 
the more it creates opportunities for you in this league. So again, the more you can do, the better. That's Bill Belichick has made a living at taking guys and putting them at different positions. You look at Julian Elderman. He was a quarterback in college. What did Bill Belichick was able to do? He put him at receiver. He became one of the best receivers in the history for that Patriots franchise. So again, that's just the way it is. The more you can do, it allows you uh, at least more chance of you uh, having a job come fall in the National Football League. Hey, you mentioned you mentioned Ryan Tannehill, and and the only chance he's going to get to put Cincinnati behind him is September 11th against the Giants, and 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 that's probably true. I I, I don't expect we're going to see Ryan Tannehill play in the preseason for a couple of reasons. Number one, he, he's Ryan Tannehill. He, he, you know what he can do. He's an established starter. He, he even talked about it this week. Uh, he, he didn't say, I'm not going to play in the preseason, but sort of when asked about it, he, he said, well, you know, we've got a really great defense. I'm getting great reps against those guys every day. Coming up, we've got the Cardinals coming in here. We're going to get great work against them on the practice field. We've got the Buccaneers coming in here, and we're going to get great work against them on the practice field. So they, he, he's clearly a guy who who's not thinking like he, uh, he wants or needs to play in the preseason. But the other side of that is you have two young quarterbacks – in Logan Woodside, a guy who's been around but has thrown two regular season passes in his career, and, and Malik Willis, who is a rookie, third-round pick this year, obviously the quarterback of the future. People are going to be looking at this as, you know, sort of Willis against Woodside, Woodside against Willis in, in some ways. Is that fair or or are – when you when you watch these games, are you going to be evaluating those two guys differently, do you think? You will evaluate them differently because what you're looking for, at least for a backup quarterback, is it's like just in case. What happens, let's say, if Ron Tannehill, if there's an unfortunate injury, you want to make sure that the player that you bring in to replace Ryan you know that he can lead that offense. You know that he's familiar with the playbook. You know that you're not going to lose a step. Can I give you an example, David? I'm going to go back some 20 years ago uh, because that's what I remember the most. You remember when uh, Steve McNair in 1999, I believe, he got injured. And, well, what happened was when he hurt his back and he was gone for about five or six weeks, and we had a backup quarterback by the name of Neil O'Donnell who stepped in and led us to about, I think we're about five and one, uh, to Steve King. Oh, yeah, it was, it was five games. Five and one, one, one believe, in those yeah, five, yes. I can't believe I still remember that. <laughs> but again, you didn't lose this. We didn't lose a step. I mean, we were rolling. And that's what you look for uh, in a player, not just at the back of quarterback position, but that's at any position. So once again, what you love about Logan uh, Woodside is what he brings. This is his third full year, third full year in the system. He's been in Nashville for four years. He's been around the league. He's been battle-tested. You remember last preseason, they brought in Matt Barkley, and he beat out Matt Barkley. So competition is not new to Logan Woodside. What I'm anticipating this year between these two is Malik is a rookie. You don't know what you're going to get out of a rookie. What you hope is that he continues to evolve and become an elite quarterback. But until then, he gets familiar with the playbook. Right now, I would give the edge to Logan Woodside because he's that player. He can he does all the things that you want in a quarterback. Tennessee loves the play action. 
That's one of their favorite plays. We know how Todd Downing loves the play action pass. If you look at last preseason, look how Logan Woodside, he ran those play action fakes. Look at those boots. How many times did we, we've seen Ryan Tannehill on those boots? Go back to the game against the Rams. The Rams couldn't stop it all day long. You knew what was going to happen. They still did not play the boot. Again, look at the way that Logan played last preseason preseason that's what you want if Logan can continue to build off the success he had in last preseason it's going to be hard to move him out of that start at least that backup quarterback position yeah he he, you know he's the reason he is where he is is because he's not spectacular right I mean he's never going to dazzle you but to your point in splitting playing time almost evenly with Matt Barkley last year, he completed 72.5% of his passes. He threw three touchdowns, only one interception. He even even ran it four times for 16 yards that, you know, was uh, was, was effective in that regard. He's he's a guy who who understands the offense. He uh, he knows he knows what to do with the football. In, in fact, I was I was even watching him during a uh, a team period this week, and uh, he is he is at a point in this offense where he's getting on receivers after uh, after the, a play if they're not in the right spot or whatever. You know, Ryan Tannehill had, had made some headlines this week because he talked about that that maybe he's being a little more demanding of his teammates, a little harder on them and whatnot. But but Logan Woodside is at that point too. There was there was one with Mason Kinsey where they, it was a it was a red zone period. And, and and Woodside Woodside threw the ball to Kinsey. Kinsey wasn't looking for it. It was an incomplete pass, and uh, and, and Woodside let him hear about it right away. I mean, th- to me, that's a guy who is who is not looking over his shoulder right. at the rookie. That that's a guy who's who's out there who knows what his job is, understands what exactly what's expected of him, and and is trying to get himself ready for exactly what you're talking about. If uh, if the worst happens and and Ryan Tannehill is going to miss some time, Logan Woodside expects to be the guy who's going to get those snaps in that case. Hey, David, can I can I can I say this? Yeah. Do you remember? Um, do you remember what Joe Montana went to Kansas City? Was that ninety four? What what was that year that San Francisco decided you know we're going to let Joe walk and let's just say mid nineties, right? Okay. So, but do you know who the backup quarterback was? Was that Steve Bono then? Steve Young. Remember the oh, Steve oh, it's Young? San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, San yeah. San Francisco, yeah. he took right. over. I mean, at some point, you know, you're the way that a, a player, what Logan, I know what Logan, I know where he's coming from. What, what, what has happened with Logan Woodside, David, is he's developed confidence. He has developed a command of that offense, and that comes from familiarity. Remember when I alluded to the fact that John was talking about how Malik, when he was throwing some of those passes that he could have completed, some of them were down or they were not in the right spot. When you get a quarterback that when he's familiar with the offense, I alluded to the fact, excuse me, that Andre Ware said that when a quarterback, when he, when he gets that playbook down, he can play fast. He's not thinking on the run. That's what you want in a backup quarterback. You know what you're going to get from uh, Ron Tannehill. You're going to get consistency. Regardless when he struggles, he's going to fight through that. But if you look at the preseason last year, look at some of the go. Just go back to the game against Atlanta. I mean, that I remember it was a second and 17. I like to look at plays. I don't necessarily look at the stats. Right. And it was that that pass that he threw to Cam Batson. 
And I mean, he threw it right over the outreach arms of the defender. And I'm thinking, oh my God, there's not a lot of starting quarterbacks that can make that throw and put it right at a spot. That's what great quarterbacks can do. And you see that in Logan Woodside. He's putting it right in a spot. That's what great quarterbacks can do. If you go back to when I think Tennessee was up three to zero and they scored that first down. Do you remember that fade route he threw the cam in the end zone, that back shoulder fade route? That is one of the hardest throws to make for a quarterback. He threw it right on the money, and that's what you want to see. You want to see from your backup quarterback, does he take command of this offense when it's his time? And that's why I give Logan that edge going into, you know, especially as we move further along in preseason. So you're saying he's Kurt Warner. He's 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 the new Kurt oh, Warner. No, he just, he just easy his opportunity, you right? That name? I was doing good until you just brought up that name. <laughs> you know, he just had that movie out. You know, you know I was in that movie, so I want to cut of that uh Are you in that movie? Uh I didn't yeah, I've heard I was uh, you know, in that last Oh play. they oh they they've got the, the actual so game clip. Yeah, so if they put my name on there, yeah. Walker, I want some of that money. But you know what? <laughs> <laughs> David, you you hit it. It could be the next Kurt Warner. You never know. Out of where? Northern Iowa? Again, yeah. small school. It does. That's what I was saying earlier when I alluded to the fact that it doesn't matter if you play at Ohio State or North Dakota, North Dakota State University, those Bisons. I mean, it, it just, again, it's just preparation. And it's just a guy getting into the right system and getting a feel at that position that allows him to be successful. So then what, what does a good preseason look like for Malik Willis like we're, we're hearing from coaches that you know they're happy with the fact that he's he's able to get the play call and go into the huddle and, and call call the play without hesitation and that you know his decision making is good a lot of times but but not you know not all the time yet um that I I there will be some you know there will be some different plays for Malik Willis designed to take care of or take advantage of his mobility and and whatnot so uh you know like what 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 does a successful preseason you think look like for him because clearly he's going to get his share of snaps and and may even get a start I would think along the way well, you know what? Your rookie year, what you want to do is to make sure that you're not the same from preseason one to preseason three. It used to be you play four preseason games, so you had a lot to put on film. But now you only get three of them. So what you want to do, especially for Malik, is that you want to see that each week we, the coaches will probably sit back saying, if you're Todd Downing, I want to see if we can continue to take steps. Like, I don't want – Let's say the preseason number one game. We're going to keep it very simple, but I want to see if I can throw just a little bit more on the plate and can he handle that? And then in week three, I want to put just a little bit of little bit more on the plate and see if he can handle that. What I want him to continue to do is to take command of his play. Don't take command of the offense. Just I want you to be able to be accountable for the things that we put on your plate. They want to see if he can make those throws. What happens if you have a receiver, like when I was, as I alluded to, about Logan being able on that second and 17 to hit Cam right at in that spot in that little back. That's what you want to see. You want to see is he evolving as a player and to continue to take that into the season because a lot of your learning, even though you're getting a lot right now, it's going to happen during the season when things slow down and now you're in preparation where you're running scout team, but now you're not practicing as much and now you're starting to take those mental reps. So that's where a lot of the learning comes from. 
Um, so your rookie year is always about, I like to call it paying your dues. Don't come out there thinking you're going to be a star in year one, especially at the quarterback position. But if you can just see that, you can see where a player is just improving and he's getting better. That's what you want, especially for a young player like Malik. Yeah, I, I think there's a balance there too. I, I think we all want to see him make plays with his feet and and run around and, and be athletic and do all those things. But you don't want him to rely too heavily on that. Right. You you want him you want him to to read the defense and and run when he has to run and and you know because he's not going to be wearing a red jersey out there no. either, right? Like I mean, Open he's gonna, he's going to be exposed. He's going to be exposed to hits out there. And, and granted, he's not a guy who's easy to hit and not a guy who's who's going to you know going to be uh you know he's not a guy you're going to hit cleanly i guess a lot of times but these are nfl players they're bigger they're they're a little faster and uh and it's it's going to be fun it's going to be fun to watch him do that sort of thing but yes you you also want to see him understand where where the coverage is telling him to go where the where the pressure's coming from and uh and and how to how to maybe move in the pocket without just leaving the pocket i i think those are those are those are the things that are going to be they're going to be really interesting to me you you know you you talked about it and we you know we said Tannehill's probably not going to play we know derrick henry's not going to play in the preseason i would expect a guy like kevin byard not to play we we might not even see taylor lewan ben jones the older offensive line and play um that that's a change from you know when you played and and even beyond your your playing career mm-hmm. that, that's just the last couple years that has happened would would you have liked that when you were when you're playing to just to sit out the preseason altogether or, or do you <laughs> think there's value in in getting at least a little bit of game rep and, and action before you get to the week one of the regular season well, answer that. I'm gonna say both. I probably would love to not play, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's it's hard when you're, especially when you're in training camp. You're you're going twice a day, and then even when you do get the little rest period before uh, a preseason game, you've been practicing, so you're still tired. So no one's full speed. But listen, yeah, a lot has changed in the olden days. What they used to do is always week one, you play a series or two. Uh, it depends on your coordinators if they right. feel like you need some more work. The second preseason game, what you would do is you would play probably a half uh, to get you kind of into like a little game mode. And then the third preseason game, you would play a half and then maybe that series in the third quarter because they want you to get used to coming out in the second half and making sure if you have momentum going in, you make, you make sure you keep that momentum. We've seen teams all the time. How many times have you saw a game where a team has momentum going in halftime and then they come out the second half flat? So that was always important, whether it was Tennessee or Denver. And then the fourth preseason game, you probably didn't even see the starters. So, yeah, times have changed because there's more games. They've added on one game. So coaches do look at that, but not to mention what you're looking for when you go into preseason if you're a star, listen, most starters, they're going to get their reps in practice, David. If you're a starter like Derek or Ryan, you're probably taking 75% of the reps in practice. And then your second unit is taking uh, 
the other 10, and then you get your rookies are probably getting one or two. I don't know how Mike Vrabel run his system, but that's how Jeff did his. You knew that when you was a starter, the bulk of the reps is going to come to you as a star. You're going to get the bulk of the reps. So again, yeah, times have changed, but I do like it because there's a 17 game season. And when you know that a player, you know what he's about. I don't need to play Derek Henry, the King in the preseason. David, what for, you know, I'm going to 17 games. Preseason doesn't count for starters. What you do when you're a starter is you get your work in at practice. I know what Ryan Tannehill is going to bring to the table. Now, you might see the two offensive linemen. You might see Nicholas Petit-Frere and Dylan Radins. Is that pronouncing his name? It's Radins. 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 So you're going to see Dylan and Nicholas probably take those reps at right tackle. So because you, you, they need those reps. They're both young. Um, you only what Dylan's his second year and Nicholas is a rookie. So again, you need those reps to, to make sure that when we line up September 11th against New York, we're not missing a beat, especially at the right tackle position. So again, it's, it's what it's about. It's about timing. That's all you're trying to do is to get your timing down. So when the season starts, you don't have to come out like last year against Arizona and you just lay an egg, you know, that's what you do not want to see. And, and that's what, that's what you do. In training camp, it's all about getting your timing down and getting everything going. So when it's time to when it's time, David, to run a hundred hundred yard dash at nine eight, you're ready to go. I I will say though, and and I agree. I I mean, and training techniques have changed, and and you know all that is all that is different than it used to be. And and there's all this research, you know, like one thing the Titans do. I assume every NFL team does it. You know, they have these little microchips in guys' shoulder pads, and they they monitor how how far they run during a particular (laughs) practice and there you know there are some guys that you know the trainers will get a i don't know if they get an alert on their phone or something but they'll say hey denard walker has run you know 1500 yards today we need to get you know he's done we got to get him out of this practice so you know there's there's all this there's all this science involved now but but i also think like when when we're talking about the offensive line there has to be some benefit say to Aaron Brewer getting game snaps between Ben Jones and Taylor Lewan, even, even if it's just a series or two, and then you get the, the, the two older guys out and you leave Brewer in there. It, it, it feels to me like, like, like that has to happen. And, and I don't know that it will, I doubt it will, but, but it, it seems like that, that would be, that would be a good way to go about it. It, it, you know, and it feels like, with the with Caleb Farley, assuming he's going to start on the left side at cornerback, it it would be nice for him to play a series or two with Byard and Hooker. Although Hooker has been hurt this week, he's not, he's not going to be out there. But you know, just to get that communication down too. I mean, yes, you do it in practice, but it's but it's different. And then you you know you can get Byard out of there and and let Farley get his legs under him and 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 play some. I I. I it it seems like it seems like there there is value to that, but uh, but 
but I, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure Mike Rabel will have his reasons for what he does. He, in fact, he said he said on Monday those you know those decisions are kind of made already in terms yeah. of who's going to play, who he wants to play, how much, and and of course injuries will affect that and whatnot. But uh, but we'll see. One 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 area you know like Jeffrey Simmons is another guy I assume is is not going to play. Danico Autry probably not either. But this is a team, and we've talked about the depth they have on the defensive line. And, you know, you've got two proven guys, but young guys in Tierra Tart and Naquan Jones at nose tackle. And you've got all these other veteran backups in Demarcus Walker and Kevin Strong and Deshaun Hand and, and even Lorel Murchison, who's going into his third year here. Um, to me, that's one of those things that can – if. If you care about if you're if, if you if you're one of those fans who say I want my Titans to win I don't care if it's preseason regular season playoffs whatever it is this defensive line will probably make the Titans look good and give them a real chance to win in the preseason because these guys are going to be going against young players rookie offensive linemen in a lot of cases and can probably. Can, can probably take advantage of some opportunities, can't they? I mean, do you see that? Well, yeah. Look, you have DeMarcus Ware coming over from Houston. He's a veteran. You know, DeMarcus has been around for a while, uh, David, a former Broncos. He was a, se- a second-round pick in 2017 out of Florida State and highly rated coming out of college. He was one of the elite defensive ends uh, in that draft in 2017. Um, you look at Deshaun Hand, again, a veteran out of Alabama, coached by the great Nick Saban. He's Deshaun kind of Hand, best- I think, was the number one high school recruit in the country when he went to Alabama, too. Like, this is a guy who's been been an elite player his whole life. I thought Nick Saban only goes after the number one. <laughs> you got to <laughs> yeah, be a number right. one player to go to Alabama. <laughs> I don't think you could be no two-star and make it there. But, I mean, if you look at some proven veterans. He comes over for, of course, well, he played Colts last year. He kind of bounced around. I uh, was with Detroit, had a decent career. He was a backup there in Detroit. He's, he's had a lot of injuries. Yeah, that's, the, that's injuries the thing. He, he, is, he has been on injured reserve every year of his career, except I think maybe his rookie year. He was an all rookie selection then, but, but a guy, you know, who you feel like if he can stay healthy, he could he could be a free agent steal here at, at, from the bargain basement. Well, yeah, he's a stud if he can stay healthy. But, uh, you know, one guy in particular that I'm looking at is Lorel Merchantson. We talked about him a little bit um, this offseason. And you're talking about your fifth rounder in 2020. And he hasn't been very productive. But when he's got in there, you know, he's showing flashes. That's what you want to see out of Lorel. But I think this is a pivotal time for him in his career because when you look at – the signing of, you know, he got undrafted free agent, Jaden Peavy. You're talking about Haskell, Garrett. You got Kevin Strong, who's actually was there last year. He was, I know he was active in July. I'm excuse me, in January, they activated him. So again, there's a lot of familiarity, but this is a team, I think when you look at their depth, they got some, they got some guys that can play. They got some players that can uh, really contribute to that defensive line, but Again, I think it, you, you only is, to me, you're valuable in this league is your depth. Because if you look at Tennessee last year, how they was able to get to that 12-5 and five record, they have to go out, they have to use players like Naquan Jones, who I'm pretty sure most people didn't anticipate him playing the way that he played last right. year. He was like one of these players right here who was a backup. No one knew nothing about, and now it's kind of like, boom, he's a star. And I know Tierra's back, so that's an interesting um, – 
duo that I want to see this year between Naquan Jones and Tierra Tart. I want to see how they use those two in the lineups in 2022. Yeah. Naquan Jones. I mean, cause those are the, those are two nose tackles. Those guys play the same position effectively. Tart's a bigger body, but Naquan is one of those guys. It, it, I was talking to defensive line coach Terrell Williams a couple of weeks ago, and, and it put me in a mind uh, back in 1999, as a matter of fact, and Jim Washburn, remember Jim Washburn joined the Wash. staff in 99. And one of his, one of his primary jobs, one of the things Jeff Fisher want, wanted him to do, his marching orders were, I want my defensive lineman to run to the ball. Yeah. And, and I remember, I remember it was even in minicamp. It was June. There was a, there was a drill. It was, it was a defensive lineman's version of musical chairs, if you will. If there were, if there were five defensive linemen in the drill, they were all laying down on their bellies. And then there were four cones in a line down the field, like 10, 15, 20, and 25 yards. And they blow the whistle and the guys had to jump up and whoever got a cone or didn't get a cone, you know, was the odd man out and was, was shamed publicly and whatnot. And and the one thing I'll never forget from that is they blew the whistle one time or they were, they were getting ready to go. And Javon curse rookie Javon curse at that point was, was one of the guys in the drill and Greg Williams, the defensive coordinator was walking by and he says to Washburn loud enough specifically for everybody to hear. He says, I'll bet you the rookie doesn't get one. And Washburn blew the whistle, and they jump up, and Javon ran and scooped up every cone himself. It was uh, well, it Javon was... was faster than uh, pretty much ninety eight percent of the guys on the team. <laughs> exactly, but uh, but I, I thought of that when I was talking to Terrell Williams because we were talking about Naquan Jones, and he said Naquan came into the league knowing how to run to the ball. He said, I, you know, he said, you talk to that, you talk to every guy about it. You know, we got to run to the ball. We got to run to the ball. Mm-hmm. Some guys make themselves do it. Some guys can never make themselves do it. He said, Naquan was just a guy who he ran to the ball. I, you know, if, if I didn't tell him, he would still do it. And, uh, and he is, uh, he is a guy. I agree. I, I think he's, I think he's ultimately going to be the number one and, and Tart's going to rotate in for Jones at some point, but that bunch, you know, the, the thing, the thing in the preseason offensive lines aren't going to be doing a lot of combo right. blocks and a lot of it's, you know, that that's one-on-one stuff. And when you've got these, you, you know, when you're, when you're into the third quarter and you still have a fourth year veteran in there going against a rookie, this is, this is where this defense could look, could look disruptive as hell. I think at, at points in the preseason. Yeah, it's all about depth. And, you know, I'm going to piggyback a little bit on what you said about running to the football. Do you know how many times when a a defensive lineman is running from one, he starts misdirect, comes back, and he's running to the ball? How many times an offensive uh, receiver or running back, they don't even see that player? And how many times we've seen fumbles? Yeah. We've seen it's so, and I'm telling you, when you have what I call that, Hustle-like mentality where you – I would rather have a guy that I have to slow down rather than saying you need a – you know, uh, I, I need a guy on the team that I can say, you know what, let, let me slow you down sometimes. Yeah. You know, that's the, the best guys or the best players to have because that causes turnovers. That drill right there is why that defense went from statistically one of the last – uh, for two years to one of the best is because of Wash bringing that mentality to that defensive line. And when you have four or five guys on that interior that are hustling to a football, it makes it so much easier. And I'll give you a little quick story was we were playing Baltimore uh, in 99 
and I had a horrible game. And on one player receiver, he caught the ball and I slipped and the field was terrible that day in Baltimore. Well, needless to say, some guy <laughs> named the freak comes out of nowhere, runs right past me as I'm slipping and catches the receiver from behind. And we were shocked. And I was kind of like, you got to be kidding me. It but was, that was that drill. That's and it, that and it drill. Was, and it was Kadri Ishmael who happened to be one of the fastest receivers yeah, in the was, league well, at yeah, that yeah, time. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, uh, and, and Javon ran him down. Ran yeah. Him down. So it's, uh, well, that, that'll do it. it. It's Baltimore again on Thursday night. If, uh, you know, if ever a preseason game is going to be interesting, Titans and Ravens will always have the potential to, to be interesting. So I know we'll be watching. I assume you all will be watching. And, uh, as always, we thank you for listening for Denard Walker. Denard. We'll talk to you next week. Uh, We'll talk to you next week, David. Thank you. Sounds great. And I'm David Beauclair. We'll have John Glennon back next week. This is the Believe in Titans podcast. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.